0: Welcome back to Inside the Capitol. I'm Josh West. And I'm Colin Walkie. Well, it's 7 April, and we are three weeks into the midway of session, Um, running Senate bills through committee. We haven't done a lot of floor work yet. I think we've run
1: six or seven bills.
0: seven bills and a bunch of resolutions. Um, The last few weeks of regular session will be Fast and Furious.
1: Hot and heavy, because we've got a lot to do, not just... So the reason why we call this the midpoint is because that's when the House bills go over the Senate to be voted on and then vice versa. And so on top of actually hearing just regular bills, we've also got to pass a budget and then this year we have an added layer of complexity because we also have to add in um, redistricting and approval yeah. of those has to be like like we talked about last week on the podcast has to
0: be completed from our end constitutionally by the end of session, and then as Chairman Martinez uh, also talked about we will be in special just for the fact that the federal government has not um, provided the the numbers and that was due to I, they probably gave them an extension I would assume because of COVID. excuse me so um when we get those numbers in we're gonna have to i mean we'll we'll have a pretty a a pretty good ideal of how the districts are going to be um those district lines by the time sessions over but there will be some more changes based off the actual numbers that come from the census
1: and 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 the redistricting process is is complicated and difficult because you're redrawing areas that you're going to be representing that you've never represented before. And so for example, in my district, um, I have two school districts. I have OK CPS. And I also have Putnam city. Um, and so if all of a sudden I'm thrust into nothing but Oklahoma city public schools, well, that's all well and good, but I don't have relationships with those teachers, those parents, those students, those sorts of things. And so it's an interesting, uh, process also because, um, we're getting ready to have to probably add a few districts to the urban areas um, just because of population loss in the rural areas and those sorts of things. And so it really messes with everybody's lines. And everybody's like, well, this is where I call home and the people yeah. know me. And and, and so um, that in and of itself is, is a, a negotiable process that we have to go through. And
0: from what I'm told, I mean, this, this process so far with what we're doing this year has been pretty calm compared to last year's. And it ain't calm, I'll tell you. <laughs> I just got to have a meeting down south. God bless Rusty representative cornell uh representative cornwell and i we we join each other and and uh we're both passionate about our districts and hey fumes get to flying i love it we're yeah. both passionate and we can shake hands afterwards and we just got off uh we didn't go to blows but but you're looking at even like historical sides of the district um you know i've got three predecessors that are still alive that obviously would like to call me up too and talk and so um and I think... It's a compromise. It
1: is. And, you know, just as a reminder, we redistrict every 10 years, right? So mm-hmm. nobody that's currently in office, I don't think... Well, Emily was here. I guess Emily Virgin. She might be the only one, I think. Well,
0: we've got that class. So Emily, you've got uh, Todd Russ was probably yeah. here. Um, just a few people have Harden, been in before. Not very many. You know, probably less than five or six.
1: And, and you know, I want to tie that in real quick to a lot of people complain about... Term limits, right? And they're like, well, we ought to have term limits for our legislators. And I'll tell you now that the problem that with that is that you lose the institutional knowledge. You lose the historical perspective. And that's especially difficult when you're dealing with legislation because that means that lobbyists and other people who have been here longer than you that have gone out to the other side to, to try and lobby, they, they know something about this that you don't. Yeah. And and so um, the fact that we are shorthanded with people who have that type of knowledge makes it more complicated.
0: Yeah. And if you look out there on an average day in the rotunda, I would say that 80 percent of all lobbyists out there were former members of the House or Senate. And, yeah. uh A lot of the agency heads, you know, a lot of those people were, were former members that, that have a lot of institutional knowledge. But they know that if, if you don't agree with them on something, they're going to they'll just wait you out and for the next wait for the next person to come.
1: Yeah. Did you, you know. have any elections last night, West? In your area? I did. I had several in, in both
0: Delaware County and Mays County. I put out a little Facebook post last what, night. What were they? Uh, city council races and um, school board
1: races. Were they hotly contested? they go well? I mean,
0: um, I mean, there's sm- rural Oklahoma is different when you're talking about races because there's a – like with my races, there's a good chance that I know my opponent. I mean, every opponent that's ever ran against me, I've known them, except for one person. Um, and so – you know you got to still i always try to keep it professional cuz i got to go to church with these people i got to go see them at ball games at the grocery stores etc and and so um i would say i think every every race is important and contested yeah. but i don't know it, it looked pretty civil um just look at it, social media and things like that they were, they were pretty civil um elections and um and congratulations to everybody that came out on top and I you know talked about it yesterday the ones who put their name on about it, that had the stones to put their name on about it, hey it's not easy cuz you're not just running your family's running too and you're under a microscope and your kids are under a microscope and you find out that it's not it's not always
1: fun and then you have a bunch of c4s and dark money coming in saying whatever they want oh, and, yeah, <laughs> and you can't not, say anything about as, it not as
0: much uh, in your local races with you know your city council and school board things like that but definitely on and when you get up to the, the state races, it's, yeah. There's yeah, always, it's even worse. There's always know. dark money. There's always mailers coming out against you. And, and then you got to cut. And my thing is that I don't care. You put, you put out the people know me well enough, and I don't have a reason to mislead or lie to anybody because i got to go back and answer for everything I do. And, and you do too. Um, but it's a
1: lot different. Like you pointed out earlier, urban and rural districts are different. Because yeah. I can go to Target, nobody knows who I am. You go to Target, everybody knows who you are. I don't have a Target. Yeah, <laughs> you go. You go to Walmart. Yeah, right. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah so, so this
0: redistricting is, uh, golly, it's a learning curve, and it's not fun because we're all fighting, and everybody. The population of Oklahoma grew, so therefore we have to pick up. You know, we're going from 37 5 to thirty-eight, almost thirty-nine thousand people, um, and so when you have to grow, but you don't have the population to grow. You've got to go further west. And, and I think my district honestly, when the final numbers come in from uh, the feds on the census, just looking at my school districts and the numbers of kids in school, I don't see how they could I, I could have lost population, honestly, especially around the way. Were they
1: saying initially that you had lost population? Well, there? yeah,
0: they were They were showing their, their numbers from 2019 that they were using to do this initial phase of the redistricting. Yeah, it's showing that I had shrank and I was like, that can't be right. And so I think that when the, the official numbers come in that you know th- there will be some changes to the stuff. Like I said, that, that we that we come up with um, before session.
1: So I want to talk about something real quick as far as bipartisanship because this came up yesterday in a conversation as well um, with uh, another organization that I was being interviewed by, and and one of the questions was, you know, how do you see politics getting better or worse from a bipartisan perspective? Um, because especially in Oklahoma where the Republicans have a super majority, uh, that. They don't have to listen to anything that the Democrats want, suggest, or otherwise. Um, And, you know, it's frustrating as a Democrat because it means that our voices, we don't believe our voices or our constituents' voices are being heard. And on the flip side of that coin, too, though, on the Republican side, when you have a caucus as large as you all do in the House and the Senate, uh, there's splits there, too, where I'm sure that you all feel silenced and those sorts of things. And so do you see bipartisanship as getting— uh, better? Like, in other words, we're going to see more cooperation between Democrats and Republicans or less?
0: Well, how many bills have you had run on the floor this year?
1: Uh, two so far. Okay. You know <laughs>
0: I've had run? Two so far. There you go. So it's not like I'm getting a bunch more bills than Colin Walkie, the Democrat. So I think there's always going to be partisanship. I'm always going to disagree with Colin Walkie on, on certain things. Yeah, um, But the things that we've talked about before, the things that we do agree with, I mean, good policy is good policy. That's right. And I think you saw that with your data privacy bill coming out of the House with 85 votes, and the majority of them are Republicans. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everyone from your caucus voted, but the majority of Republicans voted for that bill too because it's good policy. And, and their constituents once the word got out. And, and, and of course you dealt with a lot of stuff in the election. From a Republican standpoint, a lot of it probably came with the hard feelings against uh, President Trump being censored, things like that. And so right. that that played a factor in a Republican's uh, decision to vote for that legislation because it all kind of encompassed that, uh, not just data privacy, but the way it, the way that we know that it affects our lives with, we are censored with mm-hmm. social media. That's right. And so that, that, that probably had a, a big impact on, on Republicans voting for that. But I think that the, you know, probably. 80% of everything that's ran on the floor is a bipartisan bill. Right. You know, we, we can all see on a, on a lot, about
1: 80% of stuff. I like to tell people that, that I think politics is broken. I don't think government is. And, and right. the reason I say that is because a lot of the uh, governmental agencies that we deal with and those sorts of things, they recognize the problems within the system that need to be fixed. And when those bills come up, we all recognize that, oh, yep, that is a legitimate problem that needs to be fixed, and, and, yeah. and we take care of it. It's it's when you go on the outside. And, and just as on the left, I mean, we, we have representatives that get hit because you know, they're friends with the Republicans. I've been hit because I'm friends with yeah. you. Uh, and we, we – it's, it's as though you have to treat these people as enemies, and they're not. They're our neighbors, and, and we talk about those sorts of things. But I don't think we live into. Well, it. I
0: put it this way: I, when I go out and, and talk to people in my district, I don't ask them what
1: they're yeah, a Democrat or Republican. Yeah, I
0: don't, I don't, I don't ask them what their political affiliation is. Um, and so I, I'm not expected to. I mean, I've there's a lot. There's still a lot of old blue dog Democrats in my district, and so am I supposed to treat them? You know, differently. Different? Yeah. And a lot of those blue dog Democrats vote for Republicans. I mean, that's, that's just the way real Oklahoma has historically been, um, you know, used to. You know, you know, when I turned 18, my dad was like, and my family was all like most of the people in, in, in the eastern side of the state. They were, they were Democrat. They voted Republican on most federal issues. They voted Republican on most state issues. And then when it came down to local issues with the county commissioner, with the sheriff, things like that, they were, that's why they would stay registered Democrats so they could vote in those elections. And it's changed, obviously, over the last especially 10 years, I would say. Um, so, I mean, like I said, we're always going to have partisan issues, uh, and that's what keeps we're, – we're a two-party system. I mean, we, yes, we do have other parties. We have libertarians, independents, uh, but – They don't have the same machine and absolutely. everything behind them that we have. And so you, I think it's important to have a difference of opinion and have a divide on that stuff, but the fact that you can work through those issues and come together on things that – um, uh, you know, affect everybody and affect that you can come together on those things you agree with and, and pass good legislation. That's important, too.
1: And you make a great point because I'm sure, especially early on with the pandemic, and I'm still dealing with a few of the issues, you know, somebody contacts me and says, hey, I have an unemployment claim that that hasn't been heard, can't get it through, whatever. I don't look them up to find out how they're registered. You know, it's it's somebody that's in need, somebody that needs help. I don't care. That's what I'm here for: is to help these individuals, um, irrespective of their party or whatever they believe, whether they voted for me. I don't know, and I don't care. I want to help somebody.
0: And that agency, I mean, and that's the good thing. That is the number one. Um, part of this job, that's the, that's the best part of this job is the fact that you can make a phone call and help people. When you call that agency head or that liaison for the agency, they don't say, oh, call, call Milwaukee. He's a Democrat. Yep. I'm not going to help his constituents. They don't care either. Yep. And so, you know, it is what it is with politics, but I think we've said it many times, the fact that we have a functioning state government and we're not D.C., I mean yeah. that you talk about you talk about a dysfunctional government. At least if you believe what's on—I don't care what media outlet you're following—they play each other against each other. Social media, whatever the case, um, it, it's it's made to look like they hate each other, and I know they don't. There's a they're, that's they're, what they're I wish just like us. That's that,
1: what I wish you know would happen is everybody just tone down the rhetoric. Let's just take it down a few you know. notches, and I and I think we've gotten to the point now where if you're not the loudest, most absurd voice on Twitter. You won't get heard.
0: Yeah, and nine times out of ten, um, that stuff on Twitter, my my constituents could
1: care less about. Yeah. You know, do do you have a lot of people? Again, let's talk about urban rule divide. Do you have a lot of people on Twitter that? No, play that's, in those that's sorts the of things? devil's playground, man. That's
0: that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's that's platform. I don't, I don't yeah. put
1: a whole lot of stuff on Twitter, and I have a Twitter account, but I very rarely
0: use it because Republicans don't fare well. We're still on Facebook.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Facebook or MeWe or whatever, whatever the different. I don't is MeWe a I don't even
1: know what MeWe is. There's, there's, you there's, just enlightened there's, me. There's
0: some other uh, – I think McDougal went to MeWe or something. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some other platforms that, that Republicans started using during the election, but those platforms were um, – they were censored too.
1: So what do you see as being um, a big issue in your district that you're trying to address this session and where it's at?
0: Well, my, the big dis- the big thing in my district that I every year I try to address is, is jobs in rural Oklahoma. You know, we're we're big in the you know, a lot of the things that a lot of the stuff that you see in in urban Oklahoma here and in the cities is made in rural Oklahoma. And so we're always – especially with, like, the – you know, those those jobs within the aerospace industry, they're high-paying jobs, and, and the biggest thing in rural Oklahoma is keeping a pipeline to those jobs and keeping Oklahoma kids in the state. And, you know, I want my kids to have the option when they choose to – you know, when, when I get out of – when I graduate high school, if they whether they join the military or go to tech school or go to university, I want them to have that option to come back home. And yeah. so we've got to keep those jobs, keep those job pipelines moving in rural Oklahoma.
1: I saw a great uh, – Comment today by Ben Felder, who's a reporter for the Frontier, and he had just spent yesterday up in Stillwell, Oklahoma, and you pitch some strawberries. Apparently, uh, you know, uh, a buddy of ours, uh, Dustin Green, was uh, the strawberry king uh, from Stillwell, oh, Oklahoma. It? He was, yeah. But uh, and actually, my family's from Stillwell, my mom's side of the family. But but his point was is that until you actually spend time within those rural parts of the state, you don't appreciate and understand the economic needs of that area and how those sorts of things can be developed and and that's true because as an urban legislator i don't understand those problems i i, I you know I, it took you to come to me and say hey look i've got this marijuana bill that i want to cap licenses on and here's the problems yeah. with it because we just don't see it we don't live it every day
0: yeah and you didn't vote for the bill and i didn't hold it against you i mean you were exactly. doing what you know you talked about it when we ran that when we talked about that bill uh, on our our episode that your constituents didn't like it well i Every rule I, I don't know a rural legislator out there that's not getting the calls about the the black market stuff, and that's really what I tried to address in that now that bill is um it was double assigned in the Senate, so it went through business banking and commerce first and they double signed it to full a and b so it passed the first leg over there, but it was gutted <laughs> it was gutted like a like a deer. Um, <laughs> They field dress that thing. And so they stripped it out put one amendment in there that the AG, I've been working with the AG specifically trying to address um, foreign investments, foreign entities, right? So the bad actors that are coming here with cash money and, and they're work.
1: And how does that work? Is well, it like they come to Colin and they say, hey, you live in Oklahoma? Because isn't it the case? Well, if you, you have you look, to be in Oklahoma, I think I, to... I put
0: out some, I, I found an ad that was um, playing, it was, like popped up on social media and it was actually on the TV and stuff in California and it was in Chinese. Um, and it was basically the ad said, Hey, it's, it's cheap to buy licenses and land in Oklahoma, come to Oklahoma and buy and, and, and grow marijuana. And so, and that was probably about three months ago. Um, and so, um, it's just a different. It's just a different world there, and I see the stuff. I've talked to many growers. I've had one grower in my district that, that didn't care for the bill. At the end of the day, said, "Yeah, it's not really going to affect me. I just don't like it because You know, he said, "You're going to get to free market." Well, it's a capped industry. It's it's medical marijuana is is as um, wide open as that medical marijuana program is. And, you know, it's pretty close to rec. It's still medical marijuana. So you've got a capped um, patient industry per se, or a capped whatever the word the proper term is, but your patients are capped because it's, mar- it's medical marijuana, but you've got an uncapped industry that you can buy a license for $2,500 to grow or have a dispensary or a processor. And it usually happens more so on the grow side. And so, what these these um, groups will do, and it's it's organized crime, and they'll come in here and they'll buy up dozens of licenses, sometimes hundreds of licenses. That's a pretty cheap price to pay if you can always stay ahead of the OMMA and the, the Bureau of Narcotics. And what they, when they feel like that someone's onto them, then they'll flip, they'll switch to another license. It's untraceable. And
1: so, we we just saw. I think I think New York either is in the process or just legalized marijuana up there. Uh, and and I'm curious because I, I know the Biden administration has specifically said they're not in favor of uh, legalizing marijuana. I, th- I think they may be okay with decriminalizing it. We'll see what that happens. But have you heard anything on the federal level about what might be going on with, with marijuana? Well,
0: I've heard the opposite. I've heard that they're going to take it off Schedule 1 and make, it, make marijuana legal. Um, and they could certainly do it if they wanted to. They've got numbers in both chambers. And, um, it, it, if I were honestly, if I were in the medical marijuana industry, you talk about, you know, one of the arguments to my bill was you're going to have, it's just going to be rich people and big guys that come in here and, and buy out all the licenses. And that's why I had the provision in there that said, if we, if you don't lose, use that license within three or I'm sorry, 18 months, um, it goes away because that's what they were doing. They were coming in here and buying a ton of licenses and never opening up a, a legitimate business. They were just using it as a front to wash product in and, and and export product out, and they are, and it's... you don't see that here in the city. You see dispensaries. Right. You may see an indoor grow or a processing facility, but you're, you don't see what I deal with in rural Oklahoma. And I think the vote on the board, um, the emergency vote had 69 members on it, and it was a, a rural-urban split with the exception of about five or six people.
1: And, uh, and you make a great point there talking about the big boys coming in and buying up all these well, licenses. If, if, I were, if I
0: were in the industry, I would hope that the federal government never takes it off to Schedule 1 because you will have the big tobacco companies that now are, are in the marijuana business now and they will buy up everything and they they will push out every small guy because they won't be able to compete because they'll be able to drop that just like Walmart they can carry
1: that product for a lot lower cost than you can as a small person trying to stay in this business and that's and that is called capitalism right and and I want to try and make a point here real quick about how we all have these beliefs when uh, they favor what we want, yeah. right? So we hear all the time about local controls. That's supposedly a conservative uh, concept, so to speak. Um, so we believe in local control, get the federal government, get the state government out of business, let the local people decide it. Uh, just a few year, years ago in Oklahoma City, they had proposed a wa- wa- minimum wage increase, but that was preempted at the state level by Republican legislature, right? In my, I personally believe in local control, but... But in my data privacy bill, I had exempted that out and said, hey, it's a statewide concern. And so I think that when people use talking points on both sides of the aisle, yeah. uh, we use them when it's convenient for us and when, when we want to gore somebody else's ox, not our own.
0: That's true. And, and, and pretty much everybody likes local control till they have it. That's right. And then when they get something they don't like, I mean, I can't tell you how many calls I got. And I've never been – I never supported a, a mask uh, mandate or an ordinance uh, it was unenforceable, and, and I just looked at – if you looked at the two cities that came out first, Tulsa and Oklahoma City, with mask mandates or ordinances, there's, there, there, there wasn't a single ticket written in a year. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, you're passing the law just to pass the law. And so when I would get calls – and I came out publicly against the ordinance. Um, but you were also okay with – like,
1: <laughs> if, if, if you don't want, tell me to wear a mask, but I'm going to wear it because – If
0: it's, it, if I go to a business, that's that's a business right to determine what they want in their business. I I had no problem – um, if I want to go shop in there and 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 go patronize their facility, I'm gonna I'm gonna do as they ask. I'm gonna wear shoes and I'm gonna wear a shirt and I'm gonna put. If they got a sign that says please wear mask, I'm gonna do that as a as someone going shopping in someone else's business. But it's not up to the government. I did that was my standpoint. It's not up to the government to decide that. That's an individual's. It's an individual's as the they can, they can determine what
1: they want in. And so so let me put you on the spot. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you one we haven't talked about this one before. So, so here thanks. you go. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> so let's assume because. I'll, I'll, I'll assume for the sake of this question that um, it's debatable how contagious and deadly COVID was, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, call it the flu, call it better or worse than the flu, whatever you want to say. But if there was something highly transmissible like Ebola, right, or something that was guaranteed anthrax. fatal. right, well, Anthrax. anthrax is is yeah, nice but, but a natural anthrax, right. right, that was transmissible and those sorts of things. Do you think that the government then should have a right to step in?
0: I think the government can make recommendations, but ultimately, I mean, we are America for a reason. We have, we, have, we have rights that other countries don't. And so I've seen those, you know, in the military, I've been deployed to fourth world countries where the government, um, where they operate under a complete dictatorship and what the government says is what goes. And so that's the great thing about America is we have, you have the right to make decisions that aren't smart.
1: Yeah. Uh, and that no, and that's a that is a fantastic point because culturally we are raised and have been raised through our history to be independent of the government. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the goal. That's the way we want to be. Um, versus Europe, which is much more collectivist in nature, yeah. uh, even if they have a capitalistic. Uh, economy, they're still very collectivist in the way that they treat one another, the higher tax rates, recognizing. I remember having a conversation with a guy in Munich and he was a very successful businessman and he had actually studied uh, here in America for his MBA. And he said, man, I really want to move to America because while I appreciate the fact that my tax dollars go to help other people here in this uh, country at the same time. I'd like to be able to keep more of it in my pocket, right? Absolutely. And that natural inclination is much more American than it is European.
0: Yeah, and, and going back to the COVID stuff, whether it's how contagious it is, whether masks work, they don't work. You know, the healthcare community was not all on the same page with that too, and so you had mixed uh, signals coming out of from different doctors too. Um, and so I've got, I've got lots of doctors that half of them thought the masks were the greatest thing in the world. The other half is like, no, this doesn't work. Uh, half of them said, I'm taking the, the vaccination. The other half said, nope, I'm not taking it. And so, you know, the, the fact that the health we, we don't have enough information
1: on, on COVID. It's so it's still new. I mean, it's only been a year, a little over a year. And so – And that's a great point because I remember when, when it first came out, I was listening to a podcast – and um, a scientist was on there, and it's a very well-known podcast. It's not as popular as Josh Weston and I's, but... Uh, 85 uh, very, million. 85, 85 million today. Uh, and, and what what they were saying was, is, yeah, this is there is no way that this is uh, related to the Wuhan lab uh, for various uh, DNA, RNA you know, research that they've done on it. Well, I mean, that was two months into the pandemic. Yeah. And we're sitting here today, and we're learning new information, and one of the things that we've learned is, is not only is it Possible, maybe probable, uh, that it was part of a research project. But one of the things that I found out about, and this isn't a knock, is that part of that was funded, the Wuhan lab was funded through an international collaboration, including American tax dollars, because we do want to be able to get ahead of diseases if possible. Um, and and so you know maybe it wasn't nefarious, but it did come from a lab. That's a possibility. Yeah. I'm not an expert on these on these issues, and part of my concern about social media and the amount of information that's out there on the internet is that people hear one voice or a couple of voices yep. that aren't experts, or they claim to be experts when they're really not, and and so people be, believe those things because they want to because of their own confirmation Well, that goes like
0: social media. Pe- people have forgotten how to do their own research and have face to face conversations and. And I, I can't even spell half the time because my phone <laughs> spells for me. And, I mean, good grief. And so, yeah, that goes back to social media. And I always encourage people to, hey, it's it's pretty easy for, for not only you but myself too. I'm just as guilty to get on social media and some, someone says something about me and I want to go defend myself behind a keyboard. It's very easy to get, you know. Keyboard warrior status. get big, big time behind a keyboard. But when I go have face-to-face conversations, it's a totally different story. And I think people need to get back to freaking having those face-to-face conversations and developing relationships. Uh, if not, then there's no reason to have a, this society we have. That's if right. you're going to take everything off of the internet or Facebook, then,
1: yeah. you know. Then and, this. and learn to be less wrong. I mean, that's, that's my big pitch because everybody wants to be right. And we all and I, and I could demonstrate this in five seconds for anybody who doesn't believe me in person, if you ever want to come talk, that that we're wrong we don't choose a lot of the things that we do we do it uh, implicitly we do it because of our habituated patterns of behavior Um, and and those biases that we build up over time they're hard to overcome and so one of the things that people when they're confronted with new information they say if they already agree with it they say can I believe this Mm -hmm. if they don't believe it or you know it goes against what they already believe they say must I believe this and if they don't have to believe it they're not going to if it doesn't mean they're going to walk outside and get hit by a car well then why do I have to believe it it doesn't align with my worldview.
0: And just like this job, every single rep up here does their best every day to represent their constituents. Now, I also know that every, you know, if I run a bill specifically for my district, it's going to affect the whole state of Oklahoma. But, you know, most members up here are type A personalities. They're used to leading. They're used to you know, being put in, in positions of authority, you know, in prior life or whatever and whatever you did. And so that's the type of person that we have. We want to do good and we want to win. Right. And so sometimes you got to set back. And, and I don't have any problem, you know. I try to stay humble every day. That's what, keeps me, that's what keeps me grounded, knowing that, hey, I'm just a regular guy that puts his shoes on the feet and my daughters have messy rooms and my boys want to lay on their bed and play on the cell phone all day. I'm just a normal guy. But that keeps me – also I'm driven to succeed because that's just – Like you. I mean, our mentalities are a lot alike in that standpoint that we want to do good and we want to be right. We want to succeed and we want to show our constituents that we're working hard as we can. Sometimes you got to step back and say, you know what? I screwed up. Yeah. And I don't have a problem doing that either. Sometimes. And I had, that was a tough lesson for me. Uh, You know, our first four years, this is our fifth year. First four years, dude, good grief. I I got called in the speakers office many times (laughs) because I'd be popping off about something. And that's my personality. I'm, I'm, I'm driven and I am um, high strung and I've, I don't like to waste people's tax money. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to be three hours, three and a half hours for my family. Um, You know, I got to feel like that I am giving you your money's worth.
1: Well, if, that's a, if there's one takeaway from today's episode that we want everyone to hear, and that is is that we can sit across from a desk from one another, have conversations, uh, even pitch a question to, to Representative Wes off the cuff that, that we've never talked about to get perspectives. And, and I don't have to be upset about it. He doesn't have to be upset about it. And I really hope that everyone that's listening to this uh, takes away a message that that conversations in person – are um, ways to connect with neighbors and loved ones um, and friends, and we don't have to treat each other like enemies anymore. Oh,
0: absolutely. And, and we'll probably go on the floor today, and you're, we're probably going to vote different right. on some of this stuff. And that's fine. Um, you know, you don't have to like my policy. I don't have to like your policy, but I like calling a person. And, and, and I know that here's here's one thing. Collins constituents can't vote for me. That's right. And so <laughs> I'm doing the best I can every day for my constituents. And con's constituents, you know, I got lots of calls from people um, – Uh, You know, a lot of activists over the past month about my my marijuana cap bill, my 2272. And um, I would tell them, this bill's already gone through the House, but if you don't like it, then call that senator or call your representative because – you don't vote for me that's I right mean, this was my constituents were driving this legislation and after the fa- after i filed it then i then i heard from a lot of rural representatives and a lot of a lot of their constituents that they're having the same issues and so
1: i'll add one last note to that because i was telling representative west just before we hopped on that this morning i had coffee with a constituent who wanted to reach out to me and talk about various issues and one of the issues he didn't mention in the email but did mention in person was this cat bill and um you know Again, that's the urban-rural divide because I told him, I said, hey, look, I voted against it. He was uh, appreciative of that. He had his concerns. um, Whether they were founded or unfounded doesn't matter because I was there to be his voice. And so that's what we do. We're there for our constituents. Representing former government. Well, you can check out this podcast live on, well, not live, but pre recorded on Spotify. That's and you can also go to www.okhouse.gov under the media tab, click podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, gu- uh, new guests. And if y'all have anything that y'all want to, talk about, please make sure to contact us either via email uh, or Facebook or Twitter.
0: Yeah, it's important. We, we want to talk about things that you want to hear about too. So my, my email is josh.west at okhouse.gov. Collins is walkie at okhouse.gov. Um, you can go to okhouse.gov, look up any member, have their address, have their phone number, contact their office. And, uh, and it's, it's important that you stay informed and you let us know what's important to you.
1: Thank you all and see you next week.
0: Have a good day.